Welcome back to The Rate Rate Show. My name is Jerzen and I'm joined by Sahan and this is the show where we talk about tools, techniques and systems in the world of productivity that we either underrate, overrate or rate somewhere in between. Sahan, how are you doing today? Jerzen, I'm doing well, yeah. Um, I spent the last week, week and a half being like very sick. I had a double, mm -hmm. double dose of, um, I had my second dose of the vaccine and then schools just started here in the UK and I think because of that, like, all the kids uh, got sick and my sister brought something home and so yeah i've been uh, suffering for the last couple of weeks yeah what about you how are you doing man well i've been good i flew back to riga so if you've seen the vlog i mean if the if you've seen the podcast before you realize that this background is very different from what you're used to and i'm wearing a jacket because it's very very cold here it's about four or five degrees in the morning and Coming from 30 degree weather, that's a big jump. So I'm, I'm still in that adjustment period. I just got here a couple of days ago. So this is the 10th episode of this podcast. So we decided to do something a little different, right, Sahan, where we talk about something a little bit more freestyle, you know, more free flowing manner than our usual episode where we have three things that we talk about and we have an underrated thing. Maybe we can do an underrated thing later on. But yeah, we'll see how this goes. This is the 10th episode. Maybe we can do this again on the 20th. And we'll see how that works out. So we decided the overarching theme for this episode is going to be about taking breaks. Because Sahan right now is taking a break because he is sick. And I've been on a two, three month sabbatical for making content yeah. online on YouTube. So I think we have some things to talk about, you know, taking breaks. So let's start with you. You're taking a break right now because you are unwell. And I feel like it's a little different from my situation. So... Do you think it's important? Yeah, it is and... tough. Mm -hmm. I think, um, so I think obviously, if you're someone who's into productivity, right, you've always been told, you probably watch videos, people like Michael Phelps or other famous athletes being like, I never missed a day of training or, um, for me, it's like people who basically say that it's our habits, uh, repeated habits that just get you into the zone and lead to success. And we know this is the case because of compound, compounding and consistency and things like that. And then sometimes like just life just throws you a curveball and you're just like mm -hmm. out the zone. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I think it's funny because uh, obviously we need breaks, but, uh, but then like sometimes you'll just get forced to take a break when like you're just, like you're just in a state of flow in terms of like video production or maybe you're studying or writing. And yeah, it is. Um, have you ever had a, like a time when like you were just like, you had found your mojo and then suddenly something caused you to take a break. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I have, but I think less so now because I changed the way I approach working now where I would give myself breaks in between while working. So you can sort of, it's sort of like a pseudo Pomodoro situation where if I'm doing any sort of work, like studying, video editing, scripting videos or writing articles or whatever, I would give myself a five, 10, even 15 minute break sometimes now and then every 40 to 50 minutes. My rule is that as soon as I feel myself drifting off and thinking of other things and not focusing 100%, I'll stop working because I know whatever I do right now is going to not give me 100% efficiency. This is a different story. If it's time sensitive and that situation, I'm probably going to sit down and do it. But, you know, I try not to get myself into time sensitive situations in the first place. And I sort of work with that. But, you know, life gets in the way and you have some protocols and experiments that you have to do at the last minute. Guilty as charged. So, yeah, 
I just approach it in a different way instead of I feel like it's just better to take smaller breaks now and then than a huge break later on. I feel like that's not a good idea and you shouldn't really do that because it's much more harder to get back from that. If you can, then sure, go ahead. But I know personally that I cannot do that. So I prefer taking smaller breaks now and then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what about, so I think while we're talking about almost different things, like you're talking about like daily breaks, but what about the things that you can only do on like a, on like a, like you look at from like a weekly or a monthly or a yearly perspective. Like for example, I was listening to an episode of Not Overthinking uh, with Ali Abdal and Taymor. And they're talking about how like, when it comes to morning routines, they're saying that, uh, so if you take a year, for one month of every year, they'll have a perfect morning routine. Like Ali's was wake up, have some coffee, write, film a video. And then something happens, that, like you end up taking a break, whether it's like a holiday, external factors, um, maybe it's sickness, maybe it's uh, some other like family tragedy, whatever, I don't know. But I think it's, what I find interesting about this, about these force breaks is that there's a sense of, uh, at least for me, like almost guilt. I don't know, like the idea that, I don't know, I think when you're, when you're, when you're like, let's say you're in the productivity space and like the goal is to be productive, essentially, whatever that means. And then like you're in a stride of a morning routine. And then, I don't know, sometimes you see, for example, okay, I've got a group holiday coming up or I know for whatever reason I'm going to be out of my stride. And I'm wondering, do you think there are ways to make sure that you can bounce back from those things? Do you think it's a case of just completely like taking time off and resetting and trying not to even think about being quote unquote productive? Like what's your thought on like macro breaks or like for your daily or weekly habits? All right. Do you know what write-off days are? It's from Ali. Uh, I've heard the term, but... It's spelled R-E-I-T-O-F-F. Like, not write off as in, like, literally write off, but, like, R-E-T-I-O-F-F. Like, like a pseudonym, basically. And it's essentially when... You know those days when you just wake up and you sit down to work, but you just don't feel like working? And you basically write off the day. You don't do anything that day. That, 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 that day is basically, like you said, a macro break. So I feel like it's important to do that. I do that now and then, but I also think it's about balance. You're not supposed to take a write-off day, you know, like three times a week or something. That's that's being lazy, essentially. And yeah, I think it's you should take macro breaks, but it's all about taking it at the right times so you can rejuvenate and then get back to what you were working on. I feel like that's important. That's sort of what I'm doing with my YouTube channel anyway, because I had so many things going on right now because we started this podcast I had my blog back then, which I shut down now, but then I also, I still have my newsletters that I'm writing, also working on a secret project with Penelope. So all these things together, along with the YouTube channel, it was a lot to handle, along with being a full-time medical student. It was just way too much for me to handle. So in that situation, I just decided that I need to cut one thing off and take a macro break for that thing. And I chose YouTube because I usually took up the most energy and time. In hindsight, that wasn't a really good idea because that's going to tank my analytics. Uh, Yath Prime, another YouTuber, just made a video recently about how he took a sabbatical in his final year of medical school from YouTube. And he noticed that his analytics were dropping and it was just getting worse. He wasn't getting as many subscribers and views as he used to before he took the break. And I anticipate a similar situation for me, but I feel like in the long run, it's okay because, you know, it's just a small little setback. And I don't really completely regret making YouTube my cutoff item, but yeah, 
So I think macro breaks are important. Well, what's one macro break that you took recently? Um, I guess, so I haven't posted a video in maybe like two or th well, probably three weeks now, but that was, mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't a planned thing. It was like, uh, I think I had a week where I was thinking about where to take the channel and then I got sick. But I think it's funny because, so what I find difficult balancing, right, is like you said, in the long term, even though you've taken these months off, if you look at like the long, long term, one year, five years, 10 years, that's not going to affect you. Like, but my issue is, you, I know that, like, uh, I have that knowledge inside my brain, but there's this feeling of like, so I came to the end of the week, maybe like a couple of days ago, and I was like, I feel like crap, like why? And I realized it's because I hadn't created anything. Like I've been in a practice now for, like every week I put something out on the internet, whether it's like a video, a podcast, a tweet. And I was like, dude, why do I feel so like down? And it's because I hadn't done anything. And I was like, holy, like once I realized I was like, mind blown. Like, like it's great. Like just, so apparently for me, all I do is post stuff. I mean, it's not quite that simple, but as long as I post stuff, I'll like have a sense of satisfaction. But then I was like, yeah, I don't know, it's weird trying to balance like the individual feelings of, that we have as like human people. And then these like mm -hmm. mental models that we know are like contain the truth, yeah. You should start a newsletter. <laughs> That's all I can say from that because I feel like a newsletter is very low friction to start and do. It's free, you just have to write something up and you just send it to emails. It's hard to grow with, but even if it's to like 10 people, I think it's worth it. And I think it's one of those things where you're still creating content because you can put it online. If you're using something like Substack or Review, it's still going to be there like a blog post and it's also going to be sent out as an email. And I feel like that's a good way. That's what I usually do when I have one of those weeks where I'm not doing anything, where I'm not you know, tweeting anything or making videos or anything like that. But this then begs the question that do we have to do it every week? Are we like tied to some chain right now? Do you, do you think we are? Because you said that it actually affected you like emotionally and physically. And I don't think that's necessarily right because, you know, we should make content when we want to make it. So what do you think about that? Uh, that's a good to do that. It's a good question. I think, I think it's a bit like the gym in that mm -hmm. I don't think one week off necessarily matters, but when one week comes two weeks becomes three weeks, it's then a bit like you are, like for me, the gym is very similar in that it's like a physical thing and a mental thing. And when you take time off, like you also know coming back is going to be harder. And so like, I think what I struggled with is like, I knew I could have made a video. Like obviously I got sick for like two weeks, right? And I was like, it's been three weeks. And that first week I could have like done something. Um, but I, I don't, I'm not sure because it's a bit like, so, so I see where you're coming from. But I do think these are like healthy habits, like whether it's like creating content or making videos. But uh, yeah, no, it's a good question. Like, should you be having this um, this feeling, like of, this feelings for like, it? Should oh, you because be having I'm, this a, feeling of yeah. Mm, sorry, go ahead, please. No, it's. I was gonna say it's almost like your Yath Prem thing. It's like if you like notice your analytics going down, should that really be affecting you or not? And I I assume it did affect it because it's tough. Like you yeah, did make a video about it. Is, it. Mm -hmm. It is a really interesting question as to uh, like being a creator and how that affects your like your vibe, your aura, your mental health, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, true. I, I feel like that's true. But oh well, 
like you said, in the long run, five, 10 years, it's not going to really matter that much. If it's more short term, then sure. And I feel like this just jumps back to what Ali Abdullah always says that where if you want to create content online, for example, YouTube, you have to be consistent for a very mm -hmm. long amount of time. And that's what gives you, you know, the subscriber count or follower count or whatever you're looking for. Great. So let's talk about other news. What's been new with you? So uh, I'm about to start my degree, my postgraduate mm -hmm. degree at UCL. And That's I fun. went onto campus for the first time. Dude, so fun, so fun. Uh, I've never studied in London. When I, so basically, when I was 17 and signed away to go to university, like, there's a big decision. Like, do you, do you stay in London with all your same mates or do you leave and go somewhere else? And I chose to leave. But in the back of my mind, I've also been, always been like, I would have loved to live in, like, and study in London because... Uh, when you're an undergraduate, you get like student accommodation, like right in the centre. Like I had a friend living next to the Shard, another friend next to London Eye, like places you cannot afford. Like when you're basically post that. Um, but I'm really interested to see what it's like studying in London, yeah. And just to be like, I don't know, like mentally challenged. Not mentally challenged, but like as a teacher, the sort of problems you come across are very different to the problems you come across as like a student or a researcher. They're more pe dealing with people, individuals, and almost like management rather than like intellectual so yeah should be fun right okay that's exciting i mean i am a student i'm a full-time student i've been one for the past two and a half years so i would say that it's a fun lifestyle if you do stuff right i feel like if you manage your time well as a student you can actually have fun study well and then also maybe do something on the side there's no like it's it's all about uh you know like i said managing your time there's never this thing where you have no time it's just that you decided to do something else that you prioritized over something else that could have been a little bit more fulfilling or productive or whatever so that's great i'm excited for you D don't your yeah. classes start in a week or two if i remember correctly yeah uh, like a week or, or two. something mm -hmm. yeah exactly man but uh dude i'm still pretty jealous of you though because obviously i'm living at home and you mm -hmm. just moved to riga Dude, and living by yourself, man. Ah, oh, it's so like obviously I love living with my parents, but it's a different vibe. Such a different vibe when you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, how I, are you I finding get that? It? Because, um, so like I said, I've been living alone ever since I moved to Riga, which is about two and a half years ago. And the longest I've stayed with my parents after moving was right now when I went back to Dubai in January or sorry in December, where I was there for nine months. I feel like it's fun. It has its perks. You're obviously with your family, but there are some things that you, when you're living alone, you have more freedom to do things with your own schedule. So I feel like that's a little bit more nicer for me. Uh, maybe that's me being an only child speaking where I'd like things to be my own way. But yeah, um, the thing is for me, living alone wasn't ever difficult. Like I never had that difficulty phase because I feel like I know all the basic things that I need to live alone. Like I, I can go mm -hmm. out and get stuff by myself. Um, there's so many things that you can just order and get delivered now, which is very easy. And I know how to cook. Like I, I'm not living away. I'm not living on takeaways. And that's one skill that I feel like has been very, very helpful for me with my move to Riga because I learned to cook when I was about 15 or 16, I was home alone and I was like, all right. So I saw this video online. It was by Tasty. Do you remember those Tasty videos where there was like, oh, yeah, from the top, dude. really easy recipes. Like so, so saturated. Yes, exactly. So Do they still make those though? Like I see, uh, there's so many other channels like that though, like Goodful and a lot more, but 
or does yeah, it dude. I feel like there's been like a like a little break. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like there's been like a break off. As in, you have like those channels now, and then they like I don't know. Do you remember Bon Appetit? Did you ever watch Bon Appetit? I do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Before the mass scandal, I feel like so. I feel like you now have like cooking things like Tasty, which are just like almost like like they, I feel like they're perfect TikTok now in a way. Like they're just like very saturated, very quick. And then you have like the like the human creators like uh, Babish. Obviously, Bon Appetit you know and like. Babish is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, even the people who... What was that show where they went around and did three different things at three different price points? Oh. Um, worth I it. I remember oh, what it was dude, called. Worth it. worth it, exactly, yeah. yeah. Wasn't that by BuzzFeed? I feel like it's all yeah. under one umbrella. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. dude, food, YouTube, oh, wow, that'll be fun, yeah. But, uh, dude, yeah. I agree. Cooking, if there's... I, cooking, especially if you're like a single guy or a girl, to be honest, it's essential. And what I find funny is that you have to cook every day, essentially, but still, people mm. manage not to learn after moving out, which I find fine. It's a little, yeah. I feel like it's just so much more useful. Like, if you take away one thing from this episode, let it be that you should learn how to cook. It's much cheaper, it's tastier, and it's going to be much more healthy in the long run because you don't have to necessarily uh, eat out every day. You're probably going to buy ingredients from the grocery store, which are going to be a little bit more nicer and a little bit more healthier. You can choose vegetables, and yeah go ham with it um another thing that happened last week was i finally became a legal adult everywhere in the world i turned 21 <laughs> congratulations <laughs> that's one way to put it <laughs> thanks man but yeah i'm finally past the uh child stage i guess but yeah turned 21 and, what did you do to celebrate uh, not much actually because uh i had a couple of things to do that day with um visa procedures and all of that so in the evening, I went out with my parents for dinner. That was pretty much it. And um, it wasn't anything extravagant, but I enjoyed it. It was pretty wholesome, you know, being with my parents, talking with them, having dinner. Really good dinner. We went to this hotel at uh, Palm Jumeirah, you know, the little island that looks like the palm tree. Ah. So, yeah, we went there. Pretty cool. And, yeah. Other than that, what's new? Oh, I hit 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Finally. Dude, that's a little moment of applause. 1,000 subs, huge, huge. Mm-hmm. Well done, yeah. man. I need 1,500 more watch hours and I can finally get monetized. I'm not expecting that anytime soon, though, because I feel like that's a long way to go. Monetization is just a whole different story, but yeah. it's fun to see that. I started this last November not expecting anything. I remember telling myself that you're probably going to hit 1,000 subscribers in three years, four years, if you are you know, consistent with your videos and stuff. But I feel like I hit the jackpot. We hit the jackpot with Remnant and like, you know, making Remnant videos and just doing things for like working with them. I feel like that's been a really good experience. Like it's, it's great. Exciting news is coming up though with Remnant. So if you're not subscribed to our channels and if you use Remnant, make sure you subscribe to our channels and then Definitely. you'll be the first to know about all of that. So yeah, that's exciting. It's so cool. Would you say your growth is like uh, linear? Like for example, would you say over the course of, I guess almost 12 months that you have like, 250 subs every like three months or have you seen like a sort of increase? In I noticed a very linear increase in my subscribers. It was, it was always a hundred subscribers a month starting from, so I started my channel in November and December to now September, oh, well, let's say August because you know, it's just the beginning of September. It's always been a hundred subscribers per month. Like it's been 10 months now. I have two more months till November and I hit a thousand and that was very, very equal. It was always 100, 100, 100. And even when I took my sabbatical, when I took my sabbatical, I did notice a little drop in view count on all of that. But 
and then it started to pick up and now it's actually on a very upward trend which is kind of exciting and it's great to see that because now i'm planning on making videos again so i'm going back to an audience not just nothing you know so yeah, yeah it's exciting to see and I feel like I have the chance right now. I, I can be really lazy and not make videos and just squander it all. But if I'm not, then I feel like I can work with it and maybe something can happen. Let's see. Let's stay optimistic. Yeah, dude. I think that is one of the cool things about YouTube is like every time you hit a new milestone, it's just a, like you just it just feels like another chance to like keep growing and keep learning. Well, I mean, sure. I, I feel like there is one aspect of that, but I feel like you shouldn't be very dependent. I feel like when you think about things that way, you become very dependent on those numbers. Like you would tell yourself like, oh, I need a thousand subscribers. I think it's a more healthier approach to not think of the numbers and just try to be consistent with it until you get to some point where, you know, it's probably funding your lifestyle or just it's helping you make money. It's a good source of passive income. I feel like until that point, you shouldn't really think about the numbers because it can go either way and it can be very motivating or very demotivating. There's no in-between. So I think it's important to not think about the numbers. Do you yeah, agree no. with that or uh, do you think it's so? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. um, in that, I feel like if you, the problem is having a number as a goal in, in and of itself. It's a bit like, um, well, once you hit that goal, there's just going to be another milestone. And so it, it could feel like a long, a long, I don't know, like hedonic treadmill in a way. Like you hit a thousand, it's like, okay, now I need 10,000, now I need 50,000. But um, I don't know, I think when you're small, I think like, there is some power being like now I have a thousand subscribers, I could like I don't know like I could start like a little side project for these subscribers or I can like focus on my newsletter more or I can try this new fun content. I think there's a way of taking that achievement and turning it like into less of a where's my next nine thousand and more of like a, mm -hmm. this All is right, awesome. Now I have like, a different opportunity, sort of like yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, okay, yeah. that makes sense. I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. Do I really want to do something different? I mean, I am planning on doing something different. I only make Remnant videos now, but I'm planning on making videos a little bit more personal. I want, I feel like you have two different types of subscribers. You can have subscribers that like your content and you can have subscribers that like you. They like yeah. your personality. They like the way you present stuff. And I feel like I have more of the content subscriber right now and I'm trying to get an equal match for both because, you know, that's how you grow. You can get different kinds of people to like your channel. That way you can even make more different types of videos and that's, you know, you can get to more people that way. So I feel like that's pretty great. Right. So do you want to slowly start wrapping up this episode? I feel like it was yeah, a cool. sweet episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so do you have any under, anything that's under ready for the week or? Let me check because I actually might. I've been reading quite a bit more now. So I might actually find something. For those who don't know, I fired shots at Jason in one of our meetings, accusing him of not reading enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like but shots are underrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's a couple of shots between the boys? But uh, yeah, but what, what have you been reading, man? Like, is it just like self-help or fiction or what's the vibe? Uh, articles. Uh, I've been using that website that you mentioned. What was it called? Uh, Readsomethinggreat.com. And I saved it as a little app icon on my iPad. So that's the first thing that I click every morning. And I try to Ooh, read it at least spicy. for 20 or 30 minutes. It's great. Love it. It's one of the best things I've ever actually started using. Oh, okay. I love this one. So this is about money, okay? But I, I don't feel like I have enough experience to talk about this. But it's definitely something that I want to personally do. 
when I do make enough money to actually buy my own things. I think it's important to buy your luxuries last. Like, if you get a huge sum of money from your salary or whatever, it's not a smart idea to go out and buy something that you really want. So, obviously this thing is different depending on how much the money is. So, for example, if you get a million dollars, if you hit the lottery, let's say, that that's a good example. If you hit the lottery, you hit a million dollars. Bless you. Um, if you hit a... Okay, so if you hit the, um, if you win the lottery and you make a million dollars, I don't think it's a good idea to go out and buy a house or a car or something like that. You shouldn't buy a luxury first because that's just going to become a uh, liability. And this comes from that, um, what do you call that thing? The, the book, uh, Rich, Rich Dad, Dad Poor Dad. Dad. Exactly, where you have to build your asset column first and not the other one. So yeah, I think... That's something that it, it's sort of an underrated thing because I don't see a lot of people practicing it. But yeah, when I do make enough money, I feel like this is the method that I'm going to use. Right. So what's your underrated thing of the week? Uh, so my thing, again, this is like, to be funny, it relates because so once I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think I now have this lens of the things I buy where you just see them as a liability. It's a bit like, I don't know if anyone's watched Death Note, but there are these magic glasses that show you how long someone's going to live. It's a bit like that. Whenever yeah. I look at something, I can see like either it's like red, like liability or green asset. Um, and it's basically what I bought is for, it's basically a bit like a music stand, except yeah. it's for like a laptop. So what it, it basically, it's like a stand for a laptop on a tripod and it has like a thing for your phone. And it means that I can just like work on my laptop anywhere. Like... So one of the things I struggle with, right, is let's say you want to study. Um, like one of the things I find that works for me is like bouncing locations. So let's say that I do, if I was at university, do a couple hours in the library, a couple hours in a coffee shop, a couple of hours in like another library. But when you're at home, it's a bit different. And what this thing lets me do is that I can study in any room. Like I can study on the sofa. I can study like in my room. I can study in the garden if I wanted to. So yeah, I don't know what the actual name is, but I think it's like a laptop stand. Super, super useful. Yeah. I do use a laptop stand on my table to bring the screen up to eye level because I don't use an external monitor here in Riga. I'm looking to buy one, but when I don't, what I do is I just put it up on the laptop stand so it comes up to eye level, which is better for ergonomics and your neck and whatnot. So yeah, but I've never really traveled with a laptop stand because I feel like a laptop is just portable enough. You can just put it on a table to start working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for extended periods of time, I, I feel like it's very, okay, here's an other underrated thing. It's a bonus underrated thing. If you work on a laptop at home, which I know a lot of people are doing, if you're a student or because of the pandemic, I think it's very important to invest in a laptop stand, an external keyboard, and an external mouse. Because these are going to kill, these are going to help your back and your neck so much with ergonomics. It's so bad to be hunched up like this over a laptop on a table because it's just not made to be used that way. It's made to be used, you know, portably when you're out and about. So, yeah, I think if you're sitting at your desk for an external period amount of time, I think it's uh, it's a worthwhile purchase. So yeah, dude, I also saw the coolest thing, right? Where go ahead. So I don't know. I don't know if people are like people listening are on the external like the more than one monitor hype train. But I want to add like once you start editing videos, or even when I was at university, let's say you have like one thing for notes and one thing for the thing you're reading, dude. Like it's incredible. Uh, mm -hmm. Like and so I saw this thing on TikTok of all places. Where it's like this, it's this device where you put it onto the back of your laptop, like it's magnetic, so it clips on, 
and then you it pulls out two screens and like you have oh, i've seen that so no. you suddenly have three you screens have three and i screens. was like oh my god like absolute game changer but it's probably it's probably like very heavy and not like the probably tech isn't there right now but in the future if that concept. was like mm-hmm. cheap and lightweight i was like would love that you can do that you can do something similar with uh, if you have a macbook and an ipad you can use the ipad as a second screen wirelessly so i usually do that when i go to coffee shops i can just plop it up on the side it's very helpful to have more than one screen i feel like if you work with uh, for example with video editing to see the whole timeline on a big screen it's great but if you can see it across two screens i feel like it's even better or you can have the video feed on one screen and the entire timeline on the other it's very very helpful so when i'm out I would usually put my iPad right beside my laptop and use it as a second screen. But the idea that you were talking about, that's actually pretty cool. Right. Okay. So I guess we'll come back next week then with a another cool. episode. Great. See you guys. Goodbye. See you guys. Bye.